Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to week six of our Growing Pain series. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, for though we live in the world, we don't wage world war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, come on somebody, we take captive that negative thinking, we take captive that destructive thinking, we take captive, we take every thought, we make it obedient to Christ. I wanna finish our series by speaking about what I want to call the kingdom way. The kingdom way. Come on, can we put our hands together one last time? You guys can find a seat. And as you find your seat, can you say hello to someone in this place? Just welcome them to church. And if we can get a little light in the back, Jake, that would be amazing. A little dim if we could. So good. Come on, hey, if you uh, are new or visiting or you just got here by random, my name uh, is Harrison, and I'm just so excited that you could be here today. Uh, On behalf of my wife, Christy, we just want to welcome you guys all to church. We have the privilege uh, of leading an amazing church and just the privilege of being a part of what God is doing here in St. Albert. Uh, I hope you guys understand that God is doing amazing things right here in this place. And man, I'm just privileged to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, excited to go this morning. So uh, you guys ready to go this morning? Come on, 9 a.m., let's, let's do this. So I have some practical advice this morning. I think I have some spiritual advice this morning. But before I get into any of that, I have to give you guys some fashion advice. So you guys ready? You guys can, now listen. You can take this, you can leave this. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing out in the streets. (laughs) I've noticed lately that there's a particular trend that is in right now. Now, it's not necessarily a new trend as much as it's a reverse to a previous trend, but I want to let you guys know something. I'm here to declare it. You can mark down the day, just here to let you guys know. Beggy jeans are back in. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the straight fit kind of, I, I don't know if you guys were paying attention, but actually Zoe on the stage is wearing a pair of, of the wide leg pants. And um, I'm here to let you guys know that style is back in. You are so welcome. And uh, I'm just letting you guys know how it is. And, and I was, you know, I, was, I had been observing this for a while. Um, And I've been dreading it for a while because I've been seeing it slowly. I'm looking around specifically in the in the female gender and I'm like, why are their pants getting a little bit baggier? What's going on here? And then Christy uh, and myself, it it was her birthday this last week. Happy birthday. Uh, We went to the mall and at the mall, I just began to observe the people. 
because you know that's where the trends begin at West Edmonton Mall. And as I was walking around, going in the stores, I saw time and time again, the straight legs are back. You got any, any fashionistas, you agree with me in this place? That's what you've been seeing? Um, now, I'm here to let you know, I don't like it. And I'm old enough to remember when skinny jeans made their way back into the public arena. And I, at the time, said to myself, I will not wear tight pants. You won't see me. I'm not going to do it. Um, but as time went on, I fell susceptible to the devil's tricks. Uh, and I began to wear tighter pants. And now as I see that the wide leg trend is in, there's a part of me that says, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do it. But I also know that like, as, as fashion trends go, it's really hard to stand out. It's really hard to be different. And I've noticed something about fashion, two things about fashion that I want us all to understand. And then I'm done with fashion because we're, we're getting into the word today. Two things with fashion. Number one is this. You can write this one down. Fashion is fleeting. And what I mean by that is that fashion changes. And so what is in one day is not necessarily in the next day. So woe to all of you that spend so much money on trends that don't last forever. But here's a tip. Just don't get rid of your clothes, because what was out of style is coming back in style in a couple of years. So there's a, trick, a tip for you. Uh, but the, the second thing that I've realized is that when it comes to fashion, particularly in cultures, um, it kind of happens by osmosis. And what I mean by that is that there is never a particular guide that we get in the mail or a messaging that tells us how to dress. There, there are the few people that are at the front of the line and looking at the trends and what's the beebs up to, all of these things. But for the most of us, we dress the way we dress pretty well just by looking around us. What's everyone else doing? And then that's kind of how cultures begin to have particular looks. And if you don't think that's how cultures have particular styles because you're so strong and independent and you do what you do and, and I don't follow anyone else, um, it, it's pretty simple. Just go back a couple of generations. Look at the 1970s. It was marked by particular hairstyles, right? Everyone's like, well, that's a hairstyle from the 70s. Um, if you go back to like the 30s, people are rocking top hats. And we don't do that today. Why? Because generally speaking, we as people have this thing where we want to look like everyone else. That's just the human condition. Now, done with fashion. I'm not talking about fashion today. What I want to talk about is culture. Because much like cultures have particular looks, I believe that cultures also have particular ways in which they think and particular ways in which they see the world. Every culture in all time has different ways in which they view the world. Someone in 2023 views the world vastly different than someone growing up in 1962. It's just different. Now, culture, much like fashion, is always changing. Now what's difficult is fashion and culture and the way we view the world. Most of us view the world the same way we view fashion, where simply by existing, we begin to take on, we begin to carry all of these thoughts, all of these assumptions about the world, how things work, how things are going. Now, sometimes, and if you guys have been with us in this series, you guys have heard me talk about this a lot, sometimes, Culture has some, some good stuff. But then other times, not so much. 
And so what happens is that for followers of Jesus, many times we find ourselves in a little bit of conflict. Now, if you're in this room, you're not a follower of Jesus yet, that's okay. I love you. I'm so glad that you're here, and I want you to understand, I just believe that being a follower of Jesus is the best decision you can ever make. And so I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not biased, but I want you to be a follower of Jesus by the end of today. So we'll see where it goes. But as a follower of Jesus, those of us in this room that would classify ourselves as believers, Christians, whatever vernacular you want to use, the truth is this. The way of Jesus and the culture of his kingdom many times will come in conflict with the culture that we find ourselves in. Now, culture, human culture, is fleeting. There's this cool thing. I would encourage you guys, I don't have time today, but go home and do some research. I know, what a sermon, right? I'm giving you guys homework. Go home and look up what is called the Overton window. It's really interesting. I don't have time for, for, to, to talk about it, but look it up when you get home. Overton window, how things kind of flow in and out. But the point is this, what cultures find acceptable shifts over time. So things that we find acceptable today, we didn't find acceptable 20 years ago, and it's, the trend will continue. The beauty, I believe, of following Jesus is that he gives us a culture that is transcendent. He gives us a standard that does not change. And the beauty of Jesus is his way, the kingdom way, never goes out of style. It's amazing. Loving people, treating people with dignity and honor, all the stuff that we actually... Uh, take for granted many times in our culture, I think it traces back to Jesus and his way does not change. So what I want to do today is I want to talk a little bit about the kingdom way. I would call it kingdom culture, but at our church, we got a thing called kingdom culture and I'm not really talking about that, although I love kingdom culture because it's the DNA of our church, but I'm talking about the kingdom way. And Today, and I think this whole entire series, I think a part of the difficulties of it has been that a lot of what we've been looking at are kingdom principles and kingdom ways that we deal with bitterness and conflict and, and, and what do we do with the wild parts of us. And a lot of what we've looked at in this series comes in conflict and it comes in contrast with the ways of this world. And so I think collectively, we felt the pain of this series because we are in a moment where, as a culture, we don't like pain. We're actually in a cultural moment where we're doing everything in our power to move away and to run away from pain. And this whole series, I've been trying to get us to lean into pain, not to get hurt, but in order for us to grow. And so one last time, this series, our big thought is simply this. Growth is good. Come on, somebody. Who knows the rest by now? And growth is Come on, let's wake up today, 9 o'clock. Growth is good, and growth is painful. painful. Come on, you guys awake this morning? Yeah. Let's go. Let's wake this place up. Growth is good, and growth is painful. So the challenge of this series is that I want us to grow, but it's not always easy. So today, I want to give us three final principles on growth. And they're principles of growth specifically in regards to the kingdom of way. Three principles on growth um, in the context of the kingdom way, and then this series is done. Then I don't got to hurt you guys anymore. Come on, somebody. 
until we finish our year-end series. Come on. So uh, 2 Corinthians 10 is where we are. Before we get into it, I'm going to give us some context uh, about what's going on. So the book of 2 Corinthians was written by a man named Paul, and Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. And Paul uh, and the church kind of got a little bit of beef. If you guys were here last week, there was conflict in the church that Timothy led. Um, Today, we're looking at some conflict between uh, the church that Paul planted and himself. And we said it last week, in case you didn't know it, um, conflict and church often go hand in hand. And I think the beauty of scripture is that it doesn't tell us that we shouldn't expect conflict. It doesn't tell us to run away. It doesn't tell us to give up. I think it actually gives us some kingdom principles for how we can get through conflict, specifically in relation to like hard conflict in church. Because church conflict hits a little bit different. That's just the facts. Like if your manager at Starbucks is a jerk, you can at least be like, well, they're an atheist and they hate God, it makes sense, right? I'm just joking, kind of. Um, But at church, it's like, well, like they should have known better, right? So Paul gives us some principles to help with conflict. Now, uh, specifically, like, why is Paul and the church in conflict? Well, Paul planted this church. Paul started this church. And Paul now has moved to this position of overseer. He's an elder of the church. And one of the roles of spiritual elders, spiritual oversight, is to provide correction when correction is needed. Now, Corinth, kind of a wild church. And so, Wild people, wild church, and Paul's like, hey, y'all, we got to dial some things back. Like, no, you can't sleep with your stepmom. That's not cool. Now, the church, they're so wild, they're not used to correction. And so when Paul corrects them, they immediately think like, oh, this guy doesn't like us. This guy's heavy-handed. But one of the truths is this. If you are not being corrected, you are not growing. Come on, I need us to lean in for a second. If we do not have people in our life that can let us know, hey, listen, you aren't where you think you are, we're probably not growing. Growth and correction go hand in hand. And that's, that's not even a point in my sermon, but that's the church. They couldn't understand Paul because they couldn't understand that correction and growth go together. So when Paul is correcting them, they immediately think like, oh, this guy doesn't like us. He's heavy-handed. And so Paul has beef with the church because of that. Does that make sense? That's the, con- that, that's, that's the context. Paul has conflict, um, and he writes the book of 2 Corinthians. This is the second letter he's written to them to address some of this conflict. And Paul is so gangster that, like, the church has beef with them, but he still calls for an offering. That's like when you know you're a man. Right, like, yeah, these guys don't like me, but still give, because if I can have the courage of Paul, come on, somebody. So, everyone got the context? Let's get into it. We're going to learn three kingdom principles for how we can grow. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So, culture has this way of forming all of us. The world has this way of forming all of us simply because we live here. But Paul says, though we live in the world, we don't wage war. We don't do conflict. We don't do disagreements. We don't do things the way that they do them. Because again, 
Corinth and this church that I think has so much intersection with the culture that we live in here in Canada, they could not understand how correction and growth could go hand in hand. Even more so, they couldn't understand how someone that actually cared about them would correct them. But Paul is saying, listen, man, we don't do things the way that you guys are used to them. So here's the first growth principle. And with every growth principle I have today, I have a little commentary under it for what I really mean by this. So here's the first one. Number one, how do we grow? Number one is this, simple. We wage war differently. How do we grow? We wage war differently. In other words, we don't do things like the world does things. What does this look like? Here's my sub-point. In a culture of passivity, we are active in our faith. Now, Corinth and Canada, I think, have a lot of intersection, even though they exist 2,000 years apart. And one of the markers of that culture that I think is similar to ours is that they have this spirit of passivity. Now, when I talk about passivity, I don't mean that they're just like shy and they don't do things. What I meant was they took this kind of cultural attitude of like, I just, I'm here, I exist, that which is good is good, that which I feel is fine, and, and ultimately, they stand for nothing. Everything is good, and that sounds great, but if everything is good, that actually means you stand for nothing. And so, um, if you want to understand the mind of a Corinthian in the first century, I'll show us this. This is 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6. Paul is talking to them. He says, um, I have the right to do anything you say. So he's like, hey, listen, you guys all say I have the right to do anything. But Paul's like, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. He's like, you guys say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy both. So just keep it up for a second. I'm not getting into this verse. I'm just showing you that Paul is kind of about to tear down two of the cultural statements that the people in Corinth had. Number one was this. The Corinthians would literally say, I have the right to do anything. That's how they lived. Now, you're like, do we have like a similar kind of mindset in Canada? How about this one? Live your truth. Do you know what live your truth really means? It means do whatever you want. Do what you perceive is true. So there's that. I have the right to do anything. And then look at this. He says, food for the stomach. This is what the Corinth, the Corinthians said. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food. God will destroy them both. So they had this idea that, listen, what goes into your body it doesn't even matter. Like, we're going to heaven one day. God's getting rid of this piece of junk. So whatever happens, like, it doesn't really matter. And so they had this really low view of the body. In other words, my body doesn't really matter. You only live once, right? So you guys understand what I'm saying? There's this culture of passivity that says, man, don't confront anything. Don't correct anything. Do whatever you want. And so for them and for this culture, when Paul does confront, they couldn't understand it. This culture, much like ours, was a hedonistic culture. And hedonistic and hedonism is just a really big word that means the pursuit of pleasure. To be hedonistic means that you, that you pursue pleasure. And so for this culture that I think is similar to ours, ultimately that which is good is that which feels best. 
Paul says, listen, guys, even though we live here, we don't do things. Is everyone following? We don't do things like the culture that is around us. And so this series, listen, guys, the reason it has been so hard, I'm I'm putting language to the last five weeks, is I have actually been trying to, 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 to block us to push away from some of these ideals that ultimately are rooted in passivity. To avoid conflict because it hurts is to have a passive spirit. To be stuck in unforgiveness is to not go down the pain of forgiving because it kind of hurts. And in hedonistic cultures, much like ours today, pain is often seen as the enemy of that which is good. As followers of Jesus, I actually believe pain sometimes is the pathway to freedom. Does that make sense? For a lot of us, when it comes to growth, we kind of have this mindset of like, I'm going to change when I have to change. I'm going to start being healthy when the doctor tells me I'm dying. That's when I'll start. For some of us, I'm going to get better at conflict when I have no meaningful relationships left. That's when I'll start. But that ultimately is rooted in passivity. And what I want us to understand is that we wage war differently. I love Psalm 139. This is David. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Look at this part. I love this. He says, see if there is anything offensive in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Listen, we are in a cultural moment right now where we are waiting to be offended. Oh my gosh, I hope the church doesn't cross me like the last. I hope this boss doesn't, we're we're waiting to be offended. But look at the kingdom way. The kingdom way doesn't wait to be offended. It actually flips it and says, God, is there anything offensive in me? Come on, somebody, the next time you're in conflict, what if we began to pray, God, what is offensive in me? What am I doing that is contrary to what you are calling me to do? In a culture of offense that waits to be offended, the kingdom way and the kingdom culture says, God, I'm going first. Not, not what is offensive to me, God, what is offensive to you? And I just promise you, in our lives, in our relationships, if we can begin not to seek out offense in others, but begin to seek out what is offensive in us, man, I promise us we will begin to grow. Does that make sense? First principle is this. We wage war differently. In a culture of passivity, we are active in our faith. Again, 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says we live in the world, but we do not wage war as the world does. Verse 4, he says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons, he says, have divine power to demolish strongholds. So I'm going to give us the second principle, and then I'm going to really explain how it relates to this verse. So again, first principle, um, we wage war differently. Number two is this. We play the long game. We play the long game. Here's the subtext. Temporary solutions are often the roadblock to long-term freedom. Did you guys get that? 
Guys, I'm just hoping this is so good today that you guys look like you're falling asleep. Which doesn't usually go hand in hand, but we'll find out. Thank you, Doug. Temporary solutions are often the roadblock to long-term freedom. Now, in a hedonistic culture, in a culture that is built on pleasure, do you want to know one of the markers of a culture that loves pleasure? Short-term satisfaction. Immediate satisfaction. And so the antithesis to immediate satisfaction is always immediate pain. If there is something that hurts in the moment... We are in a cultural place right now where that pain is automatically viewed as bad. There's this idea right now that if people offend you, if people hurt you, you need to just leave. That is what is most healthy. Cut the offenders out. And I want you to understand, to cut people out of your life is always the most immediate solution. And it usually feels kind of good and it kind of feels powerful. Ooh, I haven't talked to that girl in six months because she didn't like my picture last year. It feels good in the moment and it gives us that immediate hit. But many times the things that are best for us in the moment actually put us in bondage in the long run. I avoid conflict in the moment but in the long run, I realize I don't have any deep and meaningful relationships. So as believers, he says, man, the weapons we fight with are different. Because these world weapons are seeking to destroy. Kingdom weapons are seeking to restore. And here's why we need to play the long game. Because as believers, guess what? We're going to do life together. I hope, I hope it's in church. I hope we can do church together. That's amazing. But you know what? Life goes on. People go to different churches. But, but let's, let's think a little bit longer. Conflict. You might be with these people in heaven forever. You ever thought of that? Like the people that we, we want to, like, I just, I haven't talked to them in three years. What, what church do they go to? And it's like, well, they go to that church. Well, they're going to be in heaven? I hope so. Well, you're going to see them. So as Christians, we have a different perspective. We play the long game. And the long game ultimately is rooted in restoration. Where I think right now the world is so integrated in that which is temporary. That which avoids immediate pain. And it's literally in all aspects of life. And there's statistics to back it up. People are staying at jobs for the shortest duration in the history of humanity. People just leave. And I don't believe it's because we're more free-spirited than ever. We want to find our purpose. That might be a reason. That's a part of it. But I would also wager to guess, in a culture of offense, a job and people that I surround myself with five days a week are probably going to offend me. And so when culture says, hey, if you're offended, leave, it makes sense why people are jumping from job to job to job because leaving is always the most immediate and the, always the most satisfactory feeling. It's the same thing in relationships. Man, you don't have that spark that you used to have. Remember how easy, you got, come on, you guys have been there. Remember how easy it was when you guys first met? Like you would have butterflies simply by them just existing. Like, oh my gosh. 
And culture many times says, you know what? You deserve butterflies again. You need to feel that spark again. You need to find your person again. And so sometimes the easiest solution is just leave. I could go on and on and on, but we were in a culture that is so set on temporary solutions. You're feeling pain? Here's a pill. You want to lose weight? Here's another one. But in the kingdom, we play the long game. I love what um, Gary Thomas, now he uses food um, as a metaphor, but I love this quote. He says this. He says, the glutton may enjoy his food, but he does not enjoy his condition. So, so that's very easy for food to understand, right? The ice cream tastes good. The diabetes, not so much. But I want us to take it now for bitterness or for anger. The reason we get angry is because anger makes us feel like we are in control. And the angry person, man, they enjoy being angry. It gives them power. But in the long run, the angry person does not enjoy their condition. Is that making sense? And so the kingdom way, and here's the big point, the long-term way, Jesus doesn't want just temporary solutions. He wants us to be free. So look what it says. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. He says, on the contrary, this is verse 4. He says, they, the way that we fight, the long-term way, it has the power to demolish strongholds. Okay. We need to understand this for a second. Because this is a crazy verse. And this is a verse that like, should, should fill us with power and confidence. So, what's a stronghold? Here's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a fortified area that is designed to protect you. So it's, like a, it's actually a military term, right? So people would build strongholds in the midst of war, like this is where we hide out, this is where we camp. Um, in the Old Testament, you see David, when he's running from this guy named Saul, he hides in a stronghold because a stronghold is supposed to protect you. If you want a visual picture here, it's, it's this, it's this. A stronghold is like a wall. Someone's throwing something at you, the stronghold is the wall that protects you. Does that make sense? Now, this is a weird statement. Can we put it up for a second? He says that God's way has the power to demolish strongholds. Okay, what does a stronghold do? It protects us. So why would, would, would God's way want to destroy something that protects me? Th doesn't it seem kind of counterintuitive? Let me suss this out. Our lives are filled with strongholds. And every stronghold that you have in your life at one time protected you. Maybe it was for a moment. Maybe it was for a season. But there was a reason that your body did something to protect you. This is so cool. Can I just, can I just brag on Jesus for a second? God has actually designed our bodies to protect us. Isn't that cool? Now, I, I'm looking around. I think you guys all have two arms right now. But if your arm got cut off, I haven't experienced it. That's why I'm just seeing if someone else has. But if you literally lose your arm, your body has a reaction to the pain that you're feeling. You go into shock, right? And what's cool about 
not losing your arm because, like, listen, I'm very squeamish. I can't even think about it. But what's crazy is that you have a bodily response that I believe God has put innate in us that can help protect us for that moment. Isn't that kind of cool? But what, 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 what PTSD is, if you guys understand it, it is your body getting stuck in the state of, being, of, of protection. What, what I experienced maybe in war or in pain or in conflict that saved me in the long run, it actually enslaves me. You guys following? So, so this is true in so many areas. For people that are abused, maybe it's emotional abuse. You had this bodily reaction where maybe it was your parents or, or wherever it was and you were experiencing this abuse and your body literally began to shut down. Because you're created in a way to, 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 to protect. It protects you. And in the midst of the abuse, it's actually life-giving. But what happens over time when you are no longer in those situations, when you're no longer in those conflicts, when you're no longer in those fight or flight places, some of us still exist with those strongholds. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And so we carry these things with us. And the longer we go from the, from the situation, the more the thing that once protected us becomes the thing that holds us from freedom. And some of us, we, we, we live with this lie that says, you know what? I just don't know how to love. And so we have no deep and real relationships. We don't know how to open ourselves up. But what we don't realize is that our body just has those reactions when we get into close relationships where we begin to shut down. And the reason we begin to shut down is because our body is doing something. It's taking us back to that place where, where the thing that was once protecting us is now manifesting itself once again. Is that making sense? I'm really trying to describe this. And so as believers, here's what's cool. We understand that God in his, in his foreknowledge has created us with bodies that are meant to protect us. But we also live on the other side of heaven and so everything isn't perfect on this side. And so sometimes the things that once protected us in a season become the greatest stumbling block in the next. What Paul is saying for how we fight and how we grow, he's saying, man, listen, we play the long game. And here's the long game. I don't have to live with strongholds forever. I don't have to live in this heightened state forever. I don't have to live with these walls forever. Anxiety right now is a cultural disease. And what I mean by that, and this is just statistically speaking, we are more anxious as a culture than ever. And I think one of the things that we want to do with anxiety is we want to learn how to get rid of it. Like, how can I just get rid of this anxiousness? How can I just not live with this anymore? But I just had this thought. What if anxiety was the body's alarm clock? What if the anxiousness that we feel is our bodies letting us know that something isn't right? And I think sometimes the world, we do a disservice when we just want to get rid of anxiety. Now, I believe as followers of Jesus, we do not need to live in a state of anxiousness. Hear me. But what if anxiety 
was actually a gift from God to let us know something's off. And there might be something deeper that you have to deal with that is keeping you stuck in anxiousness. There might be some deeper pain. There might be some deeper wounds that a pill can never fix. He says, we have the power to demolish strongholds. Now, here's where the church, I think, makes a mistake sometimes. We think we can cast out strongholds. Some of you guys, maybe you've been in the session already. I pray this away in the name of Jesus. I pray anxiousness away in the name of Jesus. And, and hear me, I, I believe in the power of the name of Jesus. But what if the thing you're trying to pray away was the very thing that God wanted you to explore because on the other end of it was your healing? And on the other end of it was your freedom. And some of us are praying, God, remove the stronghold from my life. Remove the wall from my life. But Paul says, don't cast out the stronghold. Paul says, tear it down. I need to demolish, I gotta break it. You know what that looks like? And this is real painful. It's one brick at a time. And here's the starting point. I need to figure out where this thing came from. And most of the strongholds that we have in our life come from our greatest places of pain. And that's why, listen, man, I wish I could just sometimes cast out the stronghold. I wish. But what's hard is the moments when, when God says, we've got to go a little bit deeper. Uh, it's not that he doesn't want to heal us in the moment. It's that he wants us to be free. Because we play the long game. And so I want us to begin to ask a question right now. Because I know our minds are going. I know the Holy Spirit's enlightening some stuff inside of us. Those walls... That response, and for some of us men, our bodies, we do things, right? We've, we've developed, we call them addictions. And we don't realize those addictions are usually actually connected to pain. And so whenever I feel this pain, I go to something that's more immediate to get me out of the pain. Whether it's sex, or porn, or food, or drugs, or alcohol. So, so next time you get, you get tempted, and whatever it is, ask yourself this question. What am I feeling right now actually? What's really going on inside of me? Because that addiction, I, man, I, like, yes, like, let's, let's pray. Like, I pray, God, cast this addiction out. And I, I want you to be free. But what if your addiction was actually a clue? What if it was connected to something that God wanted to heal us from? So here's the question. What is my stronghold telling me about myself right now? We play the long game. Does that make sense? Number three, I told you guys, don't worry, it's the last week of growing pains. It's not going to be this painful. Move it forward. But I really want to help us. So he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So how do I play the long game? Like, how do, I, how, do I, how do I play, like, to get rid of this temporary mindset? Here, here's the last kingdom principle. Submit to God's way. Submit to his way. Here's a sub-point. The greatest battle begins within. The greatest battle begins within. So we, we get so caught up with conflict, 
with social media, with whatever it is, and it brings us outward. And we think, man, what are the policies that we can fight against? What are the people that we can fight against? But man, as followers of Jesus, here's the truth. The greatest battle begins within. The greatest war I will ever wage is not with a person, it's not with a place, it's not even with a power, it's in my own soul. And so, what does it mean to submit to God's way? Well, the verse again, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The reason I talked about culture and fashion and trends is every single day, whether you know this or not, you're being fed ideas, you're being fed thoughts, you're being fed solutions that are completely contrary to the way of Jesus. There's a story in scripture and it just haunts me right now. There's a lady and it says for years, she went to this doctor to try and get better. But scripture writes something real interesting. It says, she went and she saw many doctors, but instead of getting better, she got worse. Now, this isn't a commentary on doctors. It's a commentary on culture. Because I think, I think all of us have many doctors in our lives. For some of us, it's Instagram, tells us what to do. Some of us, it's our friends. It's pretensions that ultimately come against the knowledge of God. And I wonder for, for some of us that have been trying to put some of these things into practice, how many of us have actually gotten worse, not better? How many of us feel more anxious than we've ever felt than ever, more broken than we've ever felt than ever? And here is one of the biggest cultural lies I believe going on right now. It is simply this, that that which I'm dealing with, my plight in life is simply to manage it. I need to learn to manage my anxiety. I need to learn to manage my brokenness. I need to learn to manage my anger. I need to learn to manage. But I just believe that we serve a God that doesn't want to leave us as managers of our emotions, but he wants to give us the tools and the pathways to freedom. I believe in the name of Jesus, we don't have to live the way that we've been living. We don't have to live with these strongholds forever. Anxiousness, brokenness, despair is not your destiny. But the solution isn't on the other side of a one-stop shop for all that ails me. It's on a process of going a little bit deeper and submitting to God's way. Here's what's crazy. Statistics say every single day, uh, the average person sees between four to 10,000, 4,000 to 10,000 different ads, be it media or driving, but it's just bombarded all the time, bombarded with thoughts. And so it's real hard to, to come into God's way but every single day I'm getting hit with all these different ways. And here's a deadly combo. Four to 10,000 ads every single day that we see. Um, and 8% of regular church, regular church attenders read their Bible weekly. 8% of regular church attenders read their Bible at least once weekly. So, so here's the conflict. 
I'm getting four to 10,000 different messages every single day. And let me check my math, 92% of us, statistically, do not have God's truth or God's word in our hearts. And so we're literally entering the battle every single day. And the beauty of culture is like sometimes there's some good things in there. Sometimes there is. But then other times we have these messages that are keeping us worse off than before. And so a part of submitting to God's way, can I, can I just give this appeal as we close this series? Man, I hope, I hope you took notes over the last six weeks. Everything's online. You can go watch it again. I truly believe there's some freedom packed in these messages. But here's my appeal, because how do I begin to win this battle within? How do I begin to tear down strongholds? Every stronghold in your life is attached to some deep lie. Every stronghold has a lie attached to it. And the lie isn't a lie in your life if you don't know it's a lie, meaning it's a truth that we carry. That's what makes it strong. So some of us believe, I have to be mad. I have to be angry. I'm just an anxious person. But if we don't know what the truth is, we can never replace the lie with the truth. So here's my appeal as we, as we finish this whole thing off. Can I just challenge you to get into the Word? There's so many ways to do it. But just, just start right here. Start in the book of Matthew, New Testament. Get a Bible, start in the book of Matthew, and just start to read. And, and, and listen, we play the long game. So I'm not here to tell you, you pick up Matthew chapter 1, you get in the genealogy, your life is healed. <laughs> this is what I've been missing. Adam begot Seth, oh my gosh. Um, what I'm saying is that day by day, our minds can begin to be renewed. I can begin to replace lies with truth. It's not going to happen all at once. There's a reason it's called a stronghold. But I can tear it down brick by brick. So, so get in the Word. That's my appeal number one. Appeal number two is this. Get into a group. I know we're kind of halfway through the group season. So if not now, in January, get into a group. And man, I know our group leaders so well. If you want to join halfway through, I think some of them will let you in. But have people that you can do life with, that can speak some truth into the lies that we've been believing. But here's the starting point. Let's just stand for a second. Because those are the practices. Those are the principles. But here's the command. Give your life to Jesus, man. Come under his way. So if you're in this place and you've never made that decision before to say, I'm following your way, Jesus. I'm following your principles. I'm following your priests. If you've never made that decision, may today be the day. So every head bowed, every eye closed. I have a very specific appeal for someone today. If you've never made the personal decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity right here, right now. Because if Jesus isn't Lord and Savior and guide of my life, nothing else matters. So if you're in this place, every head bowed, every eye closed, this is just this is for the Lord. You want to just give your life to Jesus. You want to start that journey today. Can you show me your hand? I would just love to pray for you in this place.
Thank you. Father, we've had six weeks where we've been stretched and we are growing us. We want to be more like you, Jesus. So I'm just praying today that for some of us that came in this place with a stronghold, some of us that came in this place and we thought, this is who I am forever. God, I pray today, maybe the wall didn't come down, but a brick came down. Father, I pray for the people in this place making decisions to follow you today. It is the greatest, it is the best decision you can ever make. And I just thank you that you're stirring hearts. I thank you that you're changing lives. And so I just pray for freedom. I pray for a spirit of freedom to resound in this place. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. We love you, God. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.